Welcome to The Power of Care, a podcast that shares insights, trends, and developments in the senior care ecosystem with a focus on technology and innovation. My name is Mark McGrand, Director of Business Development at Viar, a company that specializes in advanced, contactless, and private wellness technology. Each episode, I will be discussing the rapidly changing elderly care market with experts from the sector, including community operators, technology providers, caregivers, and senior living real estate developers. I hope this podcast brings you valuable content and information on the sector. And now for our guest. Joining me on this episode is Andy Furlong. Andy is the CEO of Tranquility Lifestyle Solutions, or better known in the industry probably as as TLS. Uh, Andy, welcome to the podcast. We've known each other enough. I'll let you do your own little more of an introduction there instead of talking over you. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Mark. Um, I guess for people that don't know us very well, Mark and I probably speak on a daily, sometimes an hourly basis. So I think he's become an extended member of my family for sure. Um, I, I'm obviously privileged to work with a team of people within TLS where we're looking to sort of pioneer a, an evolutionary platform that's going to integrate for the fantastic products that are really going to aid the senior care markets going forward. And obviously VIA is a, a, a principal part of, of that plan. And Mark and I have been working quite extensively to see how those two products can come together. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's really the key between our uh, two platforms. We're kind of, you know, we're handling this hardware side, and then you guys are really bringing in this, you know, how do we group it all together and make, get it going there? And and that's that's one of the places I actually wanted to start out our conversation because I was thinking about this earlier today, and I was actually having a conversation with someone from our, someone from our customer success team, and we were talking about kind of the the evolution from these these siloed individual products and how you know now today we've i think we've learned that the platform is the way to go where i the smart home itself is a perfect example if you're looking at your house and you're saying you know it it used to be well i want my tv to turn on you know by flipping this button i I want my i want to have windows that automatically the blinds come up and down and that used to be just totally separate things um and today that's come together more and more. So you've got things like Google Home and Alexa and, and all the other different avenues that are out there. I, I mean, you could almost go back in time to the, you know, all starting with the universal remote, you know, connecting your, I, I can, with a single remote control, I can now do the, the TV and everything else. You know, as, as you guys have looked at the products, the platform, and you're putting together, you know, the, the TLS side, how have you seen all of that kind of growing and coming together I I think it's clearly something that is starting to happen quite quickly, driven by need. Um, I think from a platform perspective, we want to facilitate and aid this journey as we go up this technology curve to give people really the opportunity to better control, better assimilate data rather than having 10 standalone devices they may have in a senior's residence. Let's put it all together in one platform in one place naturally working with and integrating the very best hardware components that we possibly can so we can make sure that we develop a platform that is particularly meaningful but I think what we're trying to do is to also build in some inherent flexibility because as we've discussed many times before Mark we we don't just want a cookie cutter that's going to be the same for everyone because quite often when we start to look at sort of managing or aiding the lives of seniors we can have 20, 30 different combinations of care or support that will be needed. So I think as we've been sort of progressing, we want the platform to be flexible, 
Um, I want it to be scalable. And what do I really mean by that? Because obviously if we deploy technology in an assisted living facility or a senior's home, we want the primary carer to be able to increase the intensity of the monitoring and the reporting as needs might dictate, obviously, as maybe a senior has had a fall or had some other illness. So we want to really bring out the very best of the flexibility because we really feel that will really help leverage the technology. So we're, we're trying to look at it. It's not just a scalable in the sense of I want to make it bigger so it can handle more users on my platform and, and thinking of kind of from that business, I'm just focused here, so that, but a scalable almost to a service level. You know, we want to be able to make it more customized by bringing things into our environment, into our ecosystem and have them all kind of function and flow together. If it, you know, one of the things that always comes up when I think about that though, is the problems that have existed uh, because this didn't exist. Cause I, I, I feel like this is it's not completely new, but in the senior space, it, it feels very new. And I wonder why it took so long to actually get to where we are. You know, how did we look at things for so long? And I think we saw different solutions and I don't even know how we, how we kept them apart and, and tried to pretend like we didn't need this. I think maybe we're at that point now, though, when, when if you look back in history, you get technology jumps at different points of time. Mm-hmm. I guess one analogy would be, you know, when we first started, you're probably not old enough, but I am. When we first started watching black and white TV, did we ever think we were going to be watching 4K TV? It wasn't available then, but it is now. And I think, you know, this is where I think the symbolism of the technology is crucial because it's allowing the monitoring to happen and allowing people the usability of a platform to better understand to mitigate some risk, just gain, gain awareness of a senior's activity in, in a facility. But I, I think, you know, certainly when we talk about sort of your product on the 4D radar side, um, we feel quite passionately it probably will disrupt the market. Um, that's not criticizing any of the PERS technology that's out there from, from today going back in the last 20 years. But when new technology comes to the market, I think it's crucial that we try to control it properly to aid people to a better place with that technology. And I think the one thing that really would resonate, I'm sure with people my age that have got aging parents is the fact that post pandemic, there was a need to have advanced technology. Um, And now it's absolutely crucial that we can actually sort of deliver on that promise because post pandemic, we've learned so much about people having isolation in the home no data flow between the parties. Uh, and I think, you know, the conventional technology where you just push a button if there's a, an alert is one thing, but now we're able to have something that is far more interactive both ways, often between the senior and the primary carer or the family on the other side. And, and I think it starts to make the technology in the platform sort of more usable and more functional. And I think by pulling it all together with more advanced technology, we offer the user a lot more options, obviously, because we can then talk about other things about AI and some some of the other sort of reporting styles that can come through. So I think we are at that point of time with some really new technology. uh, And I think it's come at a perfect time. um, Because I guess we all feel in a heart of hearts, regardless from where we are in the industry, the seniors need a better deal than they got. And we need to really take some responsibility to get communication moving. Yeah, I think we really highlighted it. I mean, over the past year and a half, it's really jumped out. We've seen government and uh, and different organizations really take leaps forward and finally say, 
all right, we're going to do it. I mean, it was almost like a, a big sigh, like fine, you're making us at, at this point. But I, I, I think it's been fantastic because I think when I look at the individual products, I I tend to see things that stop getting used. And I think one of the big leaps that, that I've taken as I was introducing products is realizing that, you know, from the hardware side, if you're going to be that, we're not, like, I don't consider myself the solution. I consider myself a part of it because it does have to be an ecosystem, a platform, a bring different things. I, you know, when we have conversations about what to add to your stuff, I, I don't ever stop you during a call with a customer and say, you know, Oh, don't talk about, the heart rate monitors don't bring up the the stove monitors don't bring up you know the additional um, sensors and things that we can help to progress people forward because if we separate all those different things one of them's not going to get picked up and used it's it's almost like if you keep all your tools in different parts of the garage you tend to just grab the one whereas if you kind of you know you have them all together in an organized fashion then you know you're more likely to use the correct one and keep, continue to pull them out you know almost like a thing of wrenches Sure, and um, that's, where, that's where I think Mark, uh, sorry to cut you off there, that no, please go. Where, where the collaboration that we have between our two entities is crucial. Mm. I mean, if you imagine just our weekly call, we have all of our app dev guys and all of your app dev guys on the same call, trying to identify solutions to individual problems that an organization could have or an individual could have. And I, and I think that collaborative approach with the technologies that we're using in the senior space is absolutely crucial. And as you said, you, you would happily recommend another product if it's one that you're not providing. And, and I think you know, that operational integrity allows us to really get to the source and the heart of the matter is how do we put the best in class technology in the space to resolve a solution, or sorry, to provide a solution and resolve a problem. And I think that's also really an operating imperative of ours that we don't start only with the solution. You know, we need to identify with everybody, what their needs are first, what they're trying to achieve, and then collectively we can put the right technology around it. And obviously, with the combined wisdom of all of the organisations, we can put it into the platform and then give the the UI something which is very, very, very dynamic and really aiding people to to have a better lifestyle. Yeah, and I think you have to do it in, in a usable way. You've got to choose the right the right products, and you don't want to overloaded as well because i think when we're working with senior living um I've, I've told you this phrase before just like probably every phrase i have but when it comes to handing them a platform or something it's got to be it's going to be usable and useful it, it can't be that the cheesecake factory menu where you have all these amazing options that can be a little bit too much it yeah. you know you don't want to make them build the full house where they've got to decide okay, it's not just where's every, where's every window going to be, but it's also here's the 200 different types of windows you can go through. You know, you have to curate that list of products and say, these are the products that are really going to work with our platform. These, this is what's going to work well. We know these products. Um, we, we make sure they're, they're going. So when you're going through that process on your end, what are the things that you're looking for, you know, to go into your platform? I think we, we, we try and have some more expanded thinking because with, with technology, we are sometimes in danger of always focusing on left brain questions. And we spend a lot of time thinking about the right side of the brain, because I think, you know, when we talk about empathy, compassion, sometimes guilt, um, it's important that we try to sort of assimilate the left and the right components. So it's really good to really identify what technology do we need but it's as critical to get the human part of it to integrate with the technology. 
and you know, we've, we've said the combined te technology could take in a different configuration for each people. And I think when we do that, we're able then to better assess what type of products could be integrated. And, and I think it's probably, we, shouldn't own, we should not be the gatekeeper as a platform provider as to what the best in class hardware is. I very much think that should be driven by the consumer or, or by the client to say, this is what we need. And I think, you know, we then try to put the normal parameters around it and to say, you know, is it a product that we believe can work? Um, I think we're quite clear on making sure that performance criteria are understood. I think it's absolutely essential when we deal with new technology like 4D radar. Um, it's, a, it, it's hard to compare it to something five years ago because it didn't exist. Yeah, so that's true. I think it's really important that we all work hard together as we do to really understand what the operating parameter is. And I get excited because I really think it's going to be a disruptor. Um, I really think that what we see today in your product and maybe a couple of other pr products is not what we're going to be seeing in a year's time. I can only relate to, Mark, the various conversations we've had over the last six months. And when we get up to version 30 plus, things are evolving and the capability continues to come through. But I think what we want to do, obviously, is to have the discipline that we put things out there that are manageable, uh, things out there that are really going to aid the, the lifestyle of a carer looking after a senior or a, a B2B uh, facility, maybe assisted living, memory care, doesn't matter which. Can we actually use all of those things to make people stronger from using them? And I think, you know, I've spoken a lot about right brain because I feel quite passionately that we have to really start more to think more about seniors with solutions and have them working and collaborating with things that we're doing rather than it being pushed down to the seniors. Because I That's think you know, the profile and the demographic of seniors has changed tremendously if we look back 20 years to what it is now. And I think we try to bring in the, the lifestyle elements, not just, you know, we're going to monitor somebody if they falls, but how can we invigorate that lifestyle, how we can give them health tips, how we can give them culinary tips, exercise, so that we start to make the, tele the technology a little bit stickier so people can go to it, come from it, get information from it. But then not forgetting, obviously, the underlying reason for doing it is because we all, we all fear for people you know, that, that get obviously to the age where the risk of a fall you know, could, can be really, really high as a risk factor. Um, so I think it's really good if we can put something in that does you know, a little bit of the lifestyle, starts to capture and invigorate what they're doing and how we can do things better. But then overarchingly have a, a suite of software products and hardware products that can make that happen. So if, if I'm a, a senior living community, though, and I'm looking at this, I'm trying to think through my process. So when I'm sitting there and I'm saying I want to make things I start out with the high level, right? I want to make things better in my community. Sure. Uh, and then I get to the point, you know, and obviously the way to do this, I want to take care of my residents best I can and how to accomplish that. That is a daunting task, I, I think, because one if I'm in a senior living, I, I'm not a technology expert. That's not my job. You know, my, my job, if I'm director of nursing, if, if I'm even director of the facility overall, then, you know, I, I have my whole list, uh, slate full at that point in time. Yeah. So, you know, it, how do I figure out what is there and what I can actually do to improve it? I mean, do I, 
and do I just call up TLS and I do, I'm just saying, you know, Hey, what do you got? Can you put together a package for me? Or do you think it, you know, or do, do we start out with those principles that you kind of hit on where you start out with the right, right brain, left brain, where you start to say, okay, we want to resolve this issue. So we're going to start with falls. I want to, what do you even falls? I, I want to get to falls faster. Um, and then you go to your next stage. Is that, is that the way to break it out and kind of follow through a flow of it to improvement to kind of find that promised land by saying, you know, if, if I'm looking at it and I say, you know, I'd also like to get some more medical information. Um, we need better heart rate monitors. I need smart scales. Um, but before I get there, it's probably more a matter of, okay, now I want to be health conscious. What can I do from the health side? And how can I follow that path? And if, if we start with something very generic and very broad, I think that's where you can kind of follow that path. And then you can work with you as a partner. So like you said, you may not be the one to tell them, hey, you should have this because you're not going to ever force that on it, force that onto somebody. But I think there is going to be a bit of leaning on you where you're saying, look, this is what we'd like to accomplish. Yeah, it's really interesting the way you, you put that over. But to try and respond to that, because it's quite a quite a broad topic, and we could probably spend yeah. 25 minutes just on that element. But I firmly believe that in, in sort of history and certainly all of my experience globally of operating around the world, evolution is always better than revolution. So we need to get them to move incrementally forward. But before we can do that, we have to really sort of also ask some fairly hard hitting questions really one one do we really want to improve the health and safety of our occupants um fall is still the number one risk obviously within the senior living industry um i think i think probably you would agree that 99 times out of 100 you ask that question people always say falls are the number one risk so the next one would be to say well if we really believe that we understand the pain point of obviously moving technology forward to you know, detect falls and one day hopefully be able to be more predictive with the analysis that certain conditions could happen to a senior before they fall uh, and we all know where those conversations can go so once they know they have a pain point my next question is well why don't you want to change and do something different because if we stay the same with exactly the same suite of things that we've done in the past the change process isn't going to happen um, and I think, you know, we have to get them to get to the point of identifying the pain, which everybody I'm sure does. And it's very hard running a business because you often get competing priorities. So I think they're in a very difficult spot, especially post pandemic. And I really feel for, for most of them because it is awkward. It is hard to do what they're going to, what they've got to do. You know, they've got occupancy that's fallen quite dramatically because of, of COVID. Um, they've now got to attract net new clients to come into their facilities and they've got to retain the base of state people that they currently have. So I think when we have, and we've had pretty good experience with having some good conversations with some really enlightened people in the industry, um, and they really identify with the things that we've just gone through. And then, as you said before, it's not selling them a whole basket of products that, you know, just because it's new, you've got to have everything new. I think you've been quite politely pushing us for the last sort of few months as well to integrate with other products, with things like the nurse call systems that still have a valid place in that portfolio of assets that the senior care industry is using. So I think it behooves us to really not be arrogant about the fact that, you know, the technology we're looking at is more advanced. But if we have a really good integrated platform that can take in multi-protocols, 
why can't we get further utilization of some of the assets that these facilities have so they can continue partly with the things that they know, but then augment them with things that are smarter, like the, the 4D fault detection? I think you, you hit a really good point there too. And as you're looking at it, at, and at certain points in business, I think we're all in that position where you, you have to take an, an honest, hard question. And a hard question, the, the easy question is, do we want to do something about falls? Um, the one that nobody wants to ask in the room because it, it seems a little dicey because it seems cold, but you say, well, why? Why do you want to do something about falls? And they, they start to look at it and they start to evaluate that. And I think that is what leads them into the technology conversation, like you said. And that's where we start to say, okay, well, we'd want to do that because, you know, it can improve our response times. It, you know, call it falls cost us over $6,000 per person. Uh, we know the huge liability numbers. Um, we all know the story of, I always say it's the, um, the true lie, which is uh, when a person has a fall and they go to their family and they're having discussions about a lawsuit because they laid on the ground for 45 minutes. And the facility says, we've got proof, we responded in five minutes. And the thing about this, it's the true lies because no one is lying in this scenario. What's being left out is the, you know, I didn't press my button for 40 minutes. <laughs> you know, so, so everybody's telling the truth. They did lay there for 45 total, but it, you know, but, but something needed to be done. So you need to start, I think, but then you have to ask yourself, well, why do we want to do something about that? And that's where they can start to go down that road of, okay, well, maybe we should um, improve upon that because it, it's making our staff, you know, look like we didn't do something. We didn't take a step forward. It, it's, it's looking at our, um, obviously from the bottom line standpoint, our, our liability is huge here. So we want to do something about that side. And I think, like you said, it's, it's, it's starting to integrate and mold everything into a single kind of platform. Um, we can start to take those steps forward incrementally. And then eventually, like you brought up, um, get to that data portion of it where how else can we get better maybe there is there's more to learn here um you know we always jump at the simple things of well maybe we can start saying before somebody falls we'll be able to get on top of that and get ahead of it but i think there's going to be even more data as we take steps into this you know what else can we do from a facility as a whole how can we improve staff utilization and 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 moving that forward as well that that seems like a really exciting one that kind of will naturally come next yeah, and I think that's going to come in two ways. I, I think, you know, anecdotally, we had the incident which is within one of our test facilities where they had two false alarms in one room on the Thursday, two on the Friday. Everybody thought initially it was a system error. The senior nurse went to investigate. Uh, she, she interviewed the gentleman in the room and he turned around to her and said, well, I didn't really fall on Thursday and Friday, but I fell against the wall. So that intervention now is that that gentleman had unfortunately had a soft fall um, anyway. We don't want anybody to fall, but at least something could happen. Maybe that would prevent, prevent a hard and more serious fall. Uh, and I think, you know, as we really increase the level of data intensity coming from these devices, um, the accuracy is starting to become second to none. I mean, if we start to even look at presence in zones where we're monitoring where a senior is in a room, um, there's almost zero latency. So we're getting a live dynamic picture of how a senior is using that facility or their own home. And I think you know, that will go certainly into you know, the, the, the analytics, the data analytics that we're gonna be driving, uh, further building on the algorithms that you've already got. And then we can start to really have you know, a robust um, 
depository of data, but we'll only extract the things that are useful to the client or the consumer. So this is not about just harvesting big data and doing everything with it. We want to be very specific. Um, and we, we obviously want to medically start to understand you know, what are the human behaviors as we start to look at some of this big data? Um, how could we start to be a little bit more pre preventative um, before something happens? And once we integrate other things like respiratory modules, obviously, you know, the, the doctors are going to be able to do a lot more analysis than they've ever been capable of doing before. Um, if you could imagine if, if we have real-time monitoring respiratory um, wires of a senior, um, the doctor, the physician could go back and look at a six-month snapshot of what that person's health has been doing versus going to the surgery and they stand in front of the physician. The senior often, often doesn't tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Uh, we know that. Um, and then is forced, he or she is forced to make that decision. So I do think that we can become a lot more intelligent as, as we sort of move forward with, with this journey. And you know, I think we will get to a point where we're gonna have more of these anecdotal stories, which we will learn from. Um, and like yourselves at VIA, you know, we take every fall seriously that's detected because we want to really understand all of the key characteristics of it. Because in my professional career, health and safety has always been at the forefront of the businesses that I've managed. And I think together, you know, with the right group of people, we can really elevate the, the safety issue higher up on the agenda. So we start to be a lot more inquisitive about sort of human behaviors and behavioral safety. What can we do to prevent the number of falls? Obviously we can detect them and hopefully we can predict them, but stopping them at source is also a, a passion that we really have. Yeah, and I think doing it objective, getting the objective answers is huge. I know I spoke to a, a home care company probably probably a year ago what they said was one of their one of the issues they had was a person goes to a home and they ask them a list of questions which should have you know black and white answers mm. but they get subjective responses and and they kind of go into it and it's nobody's fault but the questions come out and it might be you know how are you sleeping you know pretty good you know how are your bath how are your bathroom visits going uh, they've been fine you know, I always say people don't talk about uh, bathroom issues until, you know, something's growing out of their side or they've passed out. And nobody talks about sleep issues until you can clearly see it in their face. Um, you ask somebody about eating. These aren't, we're not keeping a tally in our head constantly. I, if you ask me today, you know, how many times have, you, have I walked into the kitchen? How many hours did I spend in bed last night? How many times did I get out of bed last night? You know, these aren't things that, that I'm constantly sitting there and I'm not a robot you know, oh, it was three times, it was four times. And I think that's where the, the data is going, getting that objective information is going to be a huge step forward, especially in the, in the communities. Once we get in there and I'm a director now and I'm starting to look at things and I'm starting to say, no, this is the actual number and this is what happened. And when it comes to those falls, it's not a question of did you or didn't you, um, you know, where, oh, well, I don't count that one because, I, t I did take a fall and I was down for a minute, but I got back up and I was fine. So that doesn't count <laughs> for your, for your nurse, or your doctor, that absolutely counts. You know, and, and how many times have we all done the thing where we say, no, 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 my back's probably fine. And we, we pushed it a little bit too hard, a little bit too early, you know, a little bit too fast. And we end up hurting ourselves further. You know, we're not always our best, our best judge. And mm -hmm. we're certainly, you know, you should never be doctoring yourself. So I think, getting objective information, like in that case where we look at it and we say, actually, 
no, they did have a fall yesterday and we should be keeping an eye on them. We might be able to spot things sooner. We might be able to say this person is at higher risk than we've realized. I think during your, um, one of the first, one of the pilots we've gotten going here is in just the first couple of days, we spotted a fall that they didn't see themselves. Um, and it was kind of the same thing. Oh, well, you know, person got back up they didn't say anything no one would have known about that no one would have any idea i've done early on i i set up three pilots of my own with art with uh with some stuff and and we the first night and two of the three someone had a fall i i i would give another example that we've had recently on, a, on one of our combined tests between the, the two companies mm-hmm. um when we start to talk about dementia care it's even more important that we can get to some source level of data because there, there was a fall in a facility. The lady suffers poorly. Lady suffers from you know, high levels of dementia. She f- fell at the same point of time that she stepped out of the bed because she went from one zone to the other zone and took a fall, but got up, but it was still investigated and the system was used to determine mm-hmm. that, you know, beyond all reasonable doubt you can't prove it unequivocally but the facility felt that the lady did fall but because of dementia she couldn't have obviously a, a, an easy conversation about what the causation was or what happened so I, I think you know we are going to see increasingly events and things that happen by us just really being smart with using the data that's coming from the very small device that's over over your head and I think that would lead me on to the other thing which I think is going to be you know, more revolutionary, and I think it feeds into my dignity and respect part, you know, how we want to do better with seniors, is the fact that there's no cameras and no wearables. I mean, the contactless element is absolutely key. Because, you know, most seniors don't like to have the trophy that they've got to wear something around the neck or their bracelet. Um, Somebody gave the example to me that, you know, some of the older technology was the best product possibly for protecting nightstands because seniors would never wear it and would always leave it charging. But I think now that it's contactless, I think it's going to, I think, show more respect. I think it will give people more confidence that it's there. We should be very transparent the fact that it is there. And as you know, we're working very, very hard not to include cameras in the new automated technology suite, because I I still feel whether you're in a care facility or whether you're in your own home, that should be the sanctuary of your home. And and obviously, we want to avoid the the camera aspect as far as we possibly can. And I think it's it's a really good point that you brought up about being contactless. And and it's not just about a look perspective. And it's, but I think with everything, it's about the it's, it's always about the user experience. The most difficult part of the user experience is the user itself or themselves. Because now when you're, you're working with that person and they have to do something now, it, nothing's a lot until, you, you know, but if you multiply it a thousand times, and that's really what you have to do. You might look at something on a daily basis and you say like, oh, well, it takes you, it takes you two seconds to do this or it's not a big deal to do. Yes, but you're asking me to do it every single day. So that one small thing that takes two seconds, you have to multiply by every day that you expect me to do this forever, you know, a thousand days, all of a sudden, you know, that becomes a lot more significant. It starts to build up. Now I have to remember it. Now, you know, I have to put in this extra effort. I have to wear it during the day. It's uncomfortable. You know, you have to make those sacrifices. And I think the same thing for the staff. I don't think anything should go into, I shouldn't say that. I, I, 
shouldn't speak too far ahead of myself, but most of the time you should try to avoid putting things into any kind of community that's going to add even two seconds of time yeah. to the to the staff there. They're they have a full plate. They're they're busy already. They're running around. Um, there are shortages today um, of that amazing staff. So you know whatever you put in should be it's got to be automatic. It's got to just happen. It should come to them. That should be brought to them. And same thing for the for the community. If you're bringing me something that's going to benefit me in my home, well, then don't make it an effort for me because all of a sudden I, I shouldn't be working for you and your product. Your product should be there when I need it. And otherwise, um, it, it's to the side. So that, I am a big believer in that. I do think there are still use cases for those those buttons we talked about before. The, I think sure. 90% of the button presses are usually, um, yeah, I need a glass of water, the concierge purposes. Um, but... Um, I, I think for what we're doing from the safety side, if you're looking at a data side, you know, it, it's got to be objective and it's got to be, you know, automatic because that's going to get you your most consistent data and your most accurate data uh, of what's going on. And, and um, I think that's definitely the way that, that you have to go with things. It's not a question. Yeah. And I, I think we've had sort of similar discussions in the past, but, you know, if you look at what the sort of the operating parameters are, Clearly, we want to enrich the life of a senior, tick. We all totally agree that we need to do that post-pandemic even more so. We want to collectively really enable technology to help people lower operational risk because we mustn't forget why we're doing it. We are trying to make people safer. And, and obviously, that obviously leads to quality of life issues and other things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that we come up with solution sets that benefit all of the stakeholders. And I think you, you, you struck a nerve with me because I've spoken to a number of care teams recently to make sure that they don't view these type of systems as, as a threat because they really are there to help an already absolutely maxed out care team in a facility, um, giving them some cover and some means of validating what it is that they've been doing. And I think when we look at some of the post-pandemic compliance requirements that will come down, I'm sure, and starting to happen already, this will help the care team prove systematically that things happened when they should have happened. Um, because you, as you said earlier, if they were, were called afterwards to investigate a fall, it's very anecdotal. They said, well, I think I went to the room at 11.05 and the fall happened at 10.50 and I met Sheila, I didn't meet Sheila. You know, we're able to give them a lot more support now. And, and I think, you know, some of their, our clients are really starting to see how they can utilize the combined suite of technology to lower the burden on their staff. Maybe they have to just do around checking people through the night every other hour rather than every hour. Um, so I think, you know, if, if we can provide something for all of the stakeholders, I think it's really going to be helpful. And the stakeholder obviously would extend to, you know, the, the family of, and the loved ones of the senior in a, in a B2C type environment. Um, and then I think, you know, we, we're going to get people to understand the system, understand the journey. Um, and I think, you know, if we speak to everybody, you know, post pandemic, you know, did you wish you could have got to your seniors more often, better communicate with them? You feel guilty for not going. We're, we're all human beings, right? We all know the answers to those questions. Yep. And pre-pandemic, it was still the same sort of questions. And somebody asked me, do you, do you go to see your mum and dad enough? No. Do you think you should go more often? Yes. Do you feel guilty when you don't go? Yes. So I think, you know, it's the right time. And I, and I think with the, the family tree concept that we've integrated into the app, 
where we're encouraging, you know, if a senior is living at home, encouraging 10 people to participate in the senior's care, they can also see if the, the senior is falling, we can prioritize who gets to see what alerts, if they're a bit more sensitive about bathroom visits and those sorts of things. But, you know, it's just a really good way of making the data and the technology more accessible. What do you think about looping the family in to a community setting? I, I get two responses. I think on the one hand, sometimes you get a response where, look, I, we don't want too much involvement from the family side because if they are too involved, they tend to be more nervous and kind of panicky. And, and it's kind of like having someone in the room while you're trying to operate. You know, they're, they're just stepping on your toes and you kind of look, we're going to take care of your family member. We'll give you the information you need. At the same time, I talk to other communities and they're, you know, the way to improve life and, and to, to make it happier here in a better environment, we do have to rope them in. How do you, if you're navigating, how are you navigating that road? I think the key thing is to to have the conversation with every facility owner that we talk to. I guess we have to respect what their operating philosophy is. And I've, I've heard the arguments of you have low communication, some want communication. We're encouraging people to say, well, at least maybe consider using the family tree aspect because just the social interaction and the mental stimulation will still help the senior living in their facility. Can um, you split that out? Can you just do... Look, we don't need to send them a notification every time this person falls and get no, into no, the health no. side, but we'll just do the social aspect of Correct. it. Yeah, and you know, it's fantastic. Was, proven, was okay. proven during COVID. You know, the isolation is going to be the causation of a lot of illness and you know a lot of mental health issues for for some of the seniors that felt totally isolated. And I don't know about you, when I saw her on TV during the the COVID crisis, people standing in a parking lot with a placard mm-hmm. saying hello to their mum and dad through the window, that just resonated with me time for change it cannot carry on that way so i think you know we don't want to put this thing these things over to a a business owner with a gun to the head they have to make a a value decision and a choice about their business but our point and our job is to make sure they know that this technology is easily accessible and and i think would be for the good of everyone and don't you think there actually is a good business reason to do i think now I'm shooting from the hip here. I don't have a study to back this up. Um, but I would think a major reason that someone gets moved out of a community, whether it's to higher care or to a different community, is usually it's family influenced. And a big part of bringing a person into a community is kind of the same thing. If you can hook that family in, you could extend length of stay because now you can sit there with them and you can say, look, you, you're involved with our community as much as mom and dad, as, as grandma, grandpa, you're as hooked in here as, as they are in your part of the community. That way it doesn't feel kind of like two different worlds. Like, oh, that's where they live as opposed to, you know, you know this, is, this is where we all kind of participate and we're all part of it and get more of a connection with that, with that community outside of the community. But as I said, I think previously, um, you know, let's follow the evolution path. Let's get them to understand the technology first for those that are resisting broader communication. Mm-hmm. But I think once we hopefully give them more confidence and comfort with the data that's being recorded about the things they often are doing very well, um, but it's hard for them sometimes to manifest what they've been doing, um, then we should keep on the agenda the whole communication issue. Because I believe, you know, it, say it's not at my job to dictate it to a, a facility owner 
Sorry. But I suspect they're going to get the pressure and the headwind from the family members that once you know things start to reopen and sort of interaction goes back to, a, to, to more of a normal level, I would imagine there's a lot of people that are going to be asking lots of facilities big questions about how are we going to communicate better with mum or dad that's in your care. There, there's definitely going to be some of that. I, I think that you know platforms like yours are going to open up a lot of different um, avenues for success. There's going to be a lot of opportunity to improve lives. Um, like you said, that, that the right brain, left brain, I think both will be satisfied um, by what you're bringing into it. I think it's really exciting. Um, I can't wait to see what you guys continue to come up with. Um, things that you do with our products, things that you do with others. I, I just think it's an amazing environment that you're creating um, and wanted to just uh, thank you for the conversation today, Andy. This has been fantastic as always. I'm sure we'll even continue it later on. Yeah, I'm sure, sure we will. Thank you very much for the collaboration and the opportunity to address some of these very, very important issues. Very much appreciated. Thank you for listening to the Power of Care podcast. Remember to follow the channel to stay updated on future episodes. And if you want to connect with me directly, feel free to email me at mark.mcgran at viar.com.